Blade and Mickey, 104.5 Zone. Hour number two of the Thursday show. Thanks for hanging out with us today and every day. We appreciate it. Um, great visit from Jill Jelnick, our friend from Fox 17 earlier. Uh, if you're just getting the car, you missed the first part of the show, or you want to listen to it again, remember any place you consume your podcast, you can listen to all your favorite zone shows, including Blaine and Mickey. We would love to have you hang out with us there. Josh Briscoe, who is part of the Chiefs postgame show, will join us in roughly about 50 minutes Uh, As we were discussing at the end of the first hour of the show, and I think this is an interesting thing going forward, um, somebody asked me once about how do you construct a team, and just hypothetically, this is what I was telling Blaine to end the last segment was, well, I said, well, you know, I work with two uh, guys, Blaine every day and, and Dyson, you know, every Sunday during the football season, and they always say, you build a team that wins your division. And you try to win all your games at home. That's the goal. Then you try to split on the road. And you try to win all your division games. And I said, they have all these systems. And this is the way that Jeff Fisher and Floyd Reese, who built those great Titans teams, this is the way they do it. And I wonder, because I, I, I wrote this down at the beginning of the season. It's It's been in my notes, Blaine. And, I, and I've still got it in my notes today. I literally, I've kind of keep the same notes and carry them around I remembered you saying this. Okay, this is a team that's shown they can win nine games. They can find a way to get into the playoffs. They can win nine games because they went nine and seven, what, four four years in a row. And you said, the thing is, whatever stage you're at, the challenge becomes, okay, can you be a team that wins 11 or 12 games? So for two years now, they've been a team that won 11 games and 12 games with an extra game in the season. So now they're a team that wins 11 or 12 games. So the challenge becomes becomes different, I would think, You've shown that you're a team that can win nine. And then, son of a gun, you're a team that can win your division because you did it twice in a row. Had it So that next step of the ladder is consistently win playoff games and ultimately get to the Super Bowl. So is that the thing they're trying to figure out down the road over there? And St. Thomas Sports Park is we can win the division. We've done it. We can win 11 or 12 games. Heck, we did it. We're number one seed this year. How do we beat the dang Chiefs? Or in this case, the Bengals. How do we beat some of these other teams? Well, it's going to it's gonna be a lot of debate on that and conversations because, you first of all, you start looking, can your coach take you there, your head coach, and can your quarterback take you there? That's why they're always tied together. Yep. Uh, and then, uh, that you know, and how many teams have those players? You know, how many, I mean, we can all talk about, let's, let's trade, uh, let's curb cousins or, you know, all those guys that's in that second-tier type quarterback. Even the first tier have to have so many things to break their way and have some breaks yeah. along the way to even get there with the Russell Wilsons, Aaron Rodgers, who's the most talented, maybe beside now Mahomes, but in Allen, okay, where did it break? Well, they're all sitting at home except Mahomes. Mm-hmm. So it's not a, a clear cut path to say you gotta have a franchise winning quarterback to make it to the Super Bowl. So you don't have to have that, but what you do have to have a guy's it's not turning the ball over, and you work around his skill sets, which I think Tannehill has a lot of skill sets. It's just this team wasn't able to overcome his mistakes this time. And just think now, you had three turnovers, and you still were in the game. And then if he would have made the last mistake, we, we would have forgotten all of it, and they drove down and kicked the winning field goal. Yeah. That still could have happened. So I think you don't want to get off track too far. You've gotten where you are now. You're trying to manage your cap, figure out how you can keep some of the elite players. You're going to have to let some of the role players go and replace them with role players. Uh, and hopefully they fit somebody who's been around the the facility and, and the offenses or defense and, and make moves there. So 
Well, it's going to be an interesting offseason because, as Coach Mack talked about it, you know, 30% of your roster, you know, churns over every year now the way everything is set up. So it's going to be interesting what you do with Ben Jones, or Brett Kern, uh, Lawan, Saffold, Harold Landry, you know, Jack Rabbit. I mean, where do you go? And these are the pieces that are part of the nucleus. You say, how can we reduce salary or cap hit? to help us continue to train at least one more year. Yeah. And do you want to keep some of these guys? And you say, okay, like Ben Jones, you go, okay, do I sign him a three-year deal, but we can get out of it in one year? Mm. Try to do this thing one more year. And I think that's where the window is. Do you give Harold Landry a a long-term deal that is reasonable, uh, you know, after having a monster year? And, And by the way, I don't think, I know it's easy to say this, but if you watch Harold Landry, I don't think he played for his money. And I know that's going to be hard to believe because but he played this he played hard when he was he just wasn't getting the numbers. Mm-hmm. It just didn't match up with the players around him, the secondary. This guy wasn't always an effort guy now. Now that he has the big numbers, I'm not paying him 20 million dollars or 18 million dollars, which is where he's his agent's going to want him to be. I look at him as a consistent player. If I want to bring him back on the roster, he's a really good player uh, now in the Pro Bowl. But uh, I, I'm probably around the 15 million mark for me. I don't think he's an elite talent. I think he's a really good player that plays with great effort mm-hmm. and is and is uh, and can do multiple things for you. Uh, now, so you have to decide if you want to do that. Now, that can also help your cap, but you got to give the money up front. You try to keep your own. When we're talking about Simmons, you got to look down the road. AJ Brown. Like when are you going to start, you know, taking care of your own elite players too? When is that time? So you got to looking down the road one, two, and three years too, as well. Uh, so these are all the things that goes into, you know, trying to make those tough decisions. And there's conversations going on. And even, you know, even with the tenure, as much as I don't believe anything happened, nothing is impossible to get a big time quarterback. I'm not gonna. There's a chance. There's always a chance that that could happen, mm-hmm. but. If it was me and I'm the GM, and that's why I'm speaking from my viewpoint, I'm going I'm to try to ride with Tannehill one more year if it was me. It, that's just my opinion. I have It has nothing to do with uh, his play the last game. That's why I kept saying the last couple of days is I look at his body of work the last three years mm-hmm. and say, okay, can we get over the snide with him if he doesn't make these mistakes? Now, where should it be some changes? I want to have a thorough conversation from the ownership with Vrabel individually, the offensive coordinator individually, and Tannehill, and I want to get all their perspectives about what happened in the last game. And you said individually, not individually. in the same room. Mm-hmm. You alone, you alone, you because alone. Because there's some intimidating factors there uh, where you as a player, you're always not going to be forthcoming about what your thoughts were about certain plays, the season, the play call when you're the quarterback, and let alone – when we're talking about the OC. Now, we're all bagging on the OC. I don't know how much Vrabel was making calls. Mm-hmm. We can't just think he's just a defensive guy and that he he goes into the defensive meeting rooms and makes defensive calls. I would say that he's making some offensive calls too. So where was the line of demarcation? Like, who was making calls? Did he keep it in rhythm and flow? These are the questions I... I don't know if organization and owners sit down and have these conversations unless they have some 
football guy next to them that knows yeah. the type of questions to ask. Because if not, the, the head coach can finagle their way through it and come up with all these different answers and excuses mm-hmm. of why things happen. And the easy answer is, oh, well, Tannehill just threw the picks. No, no. Why did he throw the picks? Was that a good play call? Did he have other options? I didn't see a safety valve here. If he didn't throw that pass, where was he supposed to throw? And when you look at that play, there was nobody else to throw to. There was no safety valve. Every safety valve is every time a quarterback has no one down the field to throw to, he can dump it off to his running back. Now, Henry came across the middle, but you can tell that wasn't designed. Their tight ends uh, leaked out late. Because they didn't need to be blocking. Talking about the first first play of the game? Right, first play of the game. So when you start evaluating the film, this is where JR is part of this too. Because, you know, he understands football. And so these are the things that he's taking back to ownership and telling them and explaining them why things happen. So, by the way, he's also in that interview process. But I think he's sitting next to the owner. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the guy that's the smart guy that knows football and how everything ties together. Mm Mm-hmm. And let alone, then you have an individual conversation with him on on some of his picks and some of the free agent signings and why they didn't or did work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have to trust in the process. So nobody can panic and nobody's throwing anybody under the bus. We're in this together. And so once there start being a division there, then that's when you start having issues. Yeah. And that that's really what happened with with Floyd Reese and Jeff Fisher. At the end of the day, you know the the head coach wanted to be picking his own guys, and he was part of that. It's just that, you know, the Floyd would have a little bit more clout. And then Final Floyd, say mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, and then yeah. or he would go to ownership and say, hey, who do you want to get? Yeah. Yeah, so so that's kind of how it works. So, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, that he had a bad day. He, he did. It, but I feel like let's give it one more shot. And I, I know a lot of people say, oh, he can't get it done. Well, I can sit here and tell you Garoppolo – is not clutch, and he sure has got a chance to have one more shot at the Super Bowl. One more shot. I don't. And think already, he's already been to one. He's already been yeah. to one, he, he, and he missed throws there. He did. Right? You pointed that out. Yeah, and, and guess one what? Throw that for was sure two years that, ago, yeah. right, or two or three years ago, and then they eventually got a quarterback because they believed that he's not the guy. Well, guess what? He is still the guy. The guy didn't beat him out. Not yet. Now you know he's gone at some point because first round quarterback. No different than Aaron Rodgers. I just think it's a different case. I don't think Love is so, as far progressed as Trey, Trey Lance. Yeah. That's his only playoff loss to Super Bowl 54, Jimmy G. Right. And, and, he, and, and I, he I can tell you he's not clutching my mind. Four and yeah. one in the playoffs. Yeah, well, yeah, but he lost Super Bowl. That's, it doesn't matter, see? Well, he's guess got, what? I, I agree with you. Yeah. Right, I know. But here's what I'm getting at. Eli Manning, how good was he in the regular season? You can say he was, uh, he was average, a little above average. I think all the Super Bowls, besides the one they were undefeated. Oh, no, that was the Patriots. Uh, he was like nine and seven, or he, he wasn't had a great record, but he was clutch. Wild card team, yeah, yeah, yeah he was clutch. See, so you got to have this innate ability to make those throws, and sometimes Tannehill shows you that he can. The AJ Brown touchdown was a heck of a throw. Yeah. So then you go, okay, how can we make sure he stays on that plane? Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, he'll Eli- jump off the ship. If I'm not mistaken, Eli Manning in the Super Bowls also the two wins over the Patriots. Got Three touchdowns, uh, only one interception in both of the games combined. There you so go. He didn't turn the ball over. He didn't. Yep. And so, how do we just keep that from happening? Yep. It, it, it's, it's just, but not protecting them, but let them still play loose. Yep. Because if you're playing tight as a player, that's not that's not the route you want to go. Because then you you fear that you're going to get yanked, and that comes from uh, you know the way the coach is talking to you. 
Lucas is going to talk ugly to us and yank us out of this uh, break if we don't take it. So here's the deal. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Joshua Briscoe, uh, Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City, will join us next. If you're on the line, you can hold. In the last segment today, we will take these phone calls, 615-737-1045. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Let's go to uh, Kansas City. Let's talk to uh, Joshua Briscoe at JB Briscoe on Twitter. Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City. The almost entirely sports show, which is a fantastic name for a show. Also, Chiefs postgame. Josh, how in the world are you doing, man? I'm doing great. I feel like I've barely, like at this point, calmed down from the end of Chiefs Bills, but nothing really gets my mood back up again like somebody complimenting the very dumb name of my very dumb radio show. Thanks for that. <laughs> it's a fantastic right, name. And I mean, you mentioned it. Let, let's just go there. Um, the, uh, the range of emotions mm. it, that, that existed in that game and field Yates or somebody like took pictures of the ESPN win probability, that little, yes. you know, that little heart monitor thing on the bottom of there. And, and it was the most insane thing ever. I cannot imagine what it was like to sit and watch that game from the 98,000 view of the Arrowhead press box, <laughs> the, the highest press box in the world. You can see Canada from there. But <laughs> but what in the world was it like to live through that? So I, I misheard you at first when you said uh, sit through it. This yes. almost was the other thing. Um, you you might have been right no matter how you, uh, how you enunciated the word sit. Because, yeah, I mean, it, you absolutely had to be losing it. The, I'm literally looking at the win probability chart right now. And just what it does from the two-minute warning on is as good of a statistical little chart freaking out as you're going to be able to get. Like, it is absolute madness. It was for that entire last couple of minutes of real time and then in overtime. Um, I, full disclosure, wasn't in the press box. I, I have to do the postgame show from the station. Um, but I've talked to many of my friends who were there for that. And then also just, like, at the radio station, on Twitter, at every angle, doing the post-game show afterwards and getting phone calls from people who are just beginning to reclaim their voice from losing it an hour earlier. Uh, I mean, it's, it's like nothing we've ever seen before. And, and I say that knowing that, you know, we can, we can be kind of a prisoner of the moment sometimes of the last game we saw. It's always the best game that's ever mm-hmm. been played. And in this case, that's actually true. <laughs> that's just, there, there have not been two minutes of football like what we saw on Sunday ever uh, not even to get to, like, overtime and some of the crazy stuff they did then. And I've, I've been watching, you know, every single pass that Patrick Mahomes has thrown as a professional, and, and still, even then, they found another way to surprise me. There are a whole lot of Titans fans. Again, Joshua Briscoe is our guest, Kansas City, uh, 810 Sports Radio Chiefs post game. There are a lot of Titans fans who have been real mad at Ryan Tannehill since our game on Saturday. Uh-huh. And, and some of them have gone so far as to suggest and say, look, the Chiefs had a guy, Alex Smith, all-time great guy, winning guy, but maybe not the over-the-hump guy. So they just went ahead and drafted somebody else. They went all in with another guy, and look at what dividends it's paid. Mm. Do you think that's a very feasible uh, path for other teams to take? You know, for Tennessee Titans fans <laughs> who say, tell me I'm right, Joshua. What do you think about that? Yeah, like I, I've considered myself over the last couple of years, I think, of, of becoming more and more of like a borderline apologist for at least like, hey, Ryan Tannehill's actually playing better football than he gets credit for. Uh, and, and even then, I think that it's really hard to disagree with that at a certain point, and not even really because of Ryan Tannehill. But here's the crazy thing. 
the Bills went and did that. You know, they moved on from Tyrod Taylor, and they went and got Josh Allen, and no one was really sure how that was going to work out. It didn't look great at first. And then, culminating in that game on Sunday, you see that Josh Allen is clearly among that class of guy. Yeah. You go, oh, yeah, like he could just like drag a team pretty much anywhere he wants. He is special. And that wasn't enough because the Chiefs have the guy that's just a little more special. And they ended up having a couple, just a few more plays. And you have Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. It's, it's why I wrote about this up on, uh, on Arrowhead Report, which is the, uh, the, the Sports Illustrated Fan Nation site. I, I edit and publish uh, under that whole umbrella. But I, I wrote about the idea that, like, the NFL has entered the Mahomes cinematic universe as opposed to the Marvel cinematic universe where, like, clearly – he and the Chiefs are the main character here. There, there is no counter-argument, at least on the AFC side of things. So I think yeah. if you're Tennessee, you, you have some of those playmakers, right? Like, I, I am so jealous of A.J. Brown. In fact, you guys get to watch him every week. And I say that, obviously, coming from a place of tremendous privilege watching this offense. You, you have Derrick Henry. You have a great set of, of performances that you've been able to point to from Ryan Tannehill. And you, you know, try Julio Jones. They have the head coach. But even having all of that, isn't quite enough if you don't have one of those young quarterbacks that can that can clearly take you to another level. So yeah, I mean, it, it does feel to me from afar, you know, and, and maybe you guys could outrule me on this one, but it, it feels sort of like Tennessee has, has hit their head on their own ceiling, and that the only way to raise it higher than where it is right now, because it is tremendously high, the only way to raise it higher is to get one of those unstoppable aliens like Mahomes and like Josh Allen. And it's funny that particular quarterback draft year, there were a lot of people who said, gosh, it's not the best year for quarterback, you know, for a quarterback draft. Yeah. This seems like one of those years as well. Nobody's really jumping up and down on the table for any of these guys. Do you think there's one of those guys in this draft? It's a great question because, frankly, it's one thing that I haven't had to care about very much around here the past <laughs> couple of years. Yeah. These quarterback classes have come and gone. I've, you know, I've watched other other teams. Uh, try to figure out, you know, can can we make, I mean, everyone loves Trevor Lawrence, right? But can Zach Wilson be like, I, I don't know. Like, Kenny Pickett seems like he has a little bit of that swagger that you want to find. But but is he the, the overall package that can take a team to the next level? And, and at this point, I don't know. I mean, the, the best thing I could say definitively is that I think Tennessee would be a fabulous landing spot for a young quarterback, even if that does mean, you know, phasing in behind Ryan Tannehill. But, you know, the other element of that is that every time a team drafts a quarterback but still has a veteran they like, they say they want to repeat the Alex Smith-Patrick Mahomes thing. And the issue is that a lot of these teams don't have Alex Smith, and none of these teams have Patrick Mahomes. So I I do think that that particular line of logic has gotten a few teams in trouble, Um, even though I, I do think that Tannehill could, you know, continue to hold the reins there. But you don't want to have the Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance, season of confusion there even whatever it gets you into the conference championship game which is you know another completely unrelated crazy story there you go uh, all kinds of good stuff from joshua briscoe uh, sports radio 810 in kansas city arrowhead report uh among other things mm. <laughs> well josh uh, man I, I see joe burrow is talking about uh, he's played in these sec stadiums and he knows what a loud stadium is all about man what are you saying in the fan base saying uh, about uh, how loud I've been in that stadium. I played in that yeah. stadium. I know how loud it can get. Man, does he know that it really gets just as loud, if not louder, in uh, Arrowhead? Uh, if I could make a called shot, I think there's a non-zero chance that that, that graphic ends up on the board at Arrowhead <laughs> at some point on Sunday. Uh, yeah, I mean, and look. In fairness, you know, he hasn't played here yet, and mm-hmm. he will, and he will understand that it is a genuinely like almost unmatchable experience anywhere in football. 
Also, Joe Burrow is about as hard to shake as a, you know, a giant boulder in the middle of the road. I mean, he, he really does seem like he is cool and poised in pretty much any circumstance. So, you know, Joe Cool, I think, will still be there. But I, I also think that he will leave Arrowhead and he will be asked about that experience and he will say, you know what? It was pretty loud. That would have at least stood up there with some of those SEC stadiums. And, and I think it, it very obviously does in my book. But naturally, uh, we got to talk about the game and the Bills and, and the Chiefs. What an incredible game. And I think Mickey touched on it. But if you had to pick one moment, I don't know if I could define I don't know, the last touchdown. What was the biggest moment in that game? I mean, I can't believe it. Or was it when y'all won the coin toss? I mean, just game over. <laughs> when was the big? I mean, what, I mean, they never stopped. I wanted to see more. Yeah, no, me too. I, it's a great question. I've been talking about this game for a week, and I still don't have a, I don't have a definite answer. I, I think, it, first of all, here's what it's not. It, it's not anything that happened before the two-minute warning. And I would almost <laughs> say that it was fourth and 14 or whatever, I guess, whenever the Bills had that touchdown right after the two-minute warning, because that felt this is so dumb. That felt like a back-breaking play. And then there were uh, two more touchdowns, a field goal, and a touchdown scored after that point. Um, I, I do think the long touchdown to, Ty- to Tyreek Hill, whenever he ultimately scored too fast, uh, with like a minute or so left, that was unbelievable. For me, though, I think the play where you went, oh, bleep, this is actually going to happen, was that play where, that we've now gotten the clips of where, where Travis Kelsey goes up to Patrick Mahomes before the play and you know, talks about the defense that he's seeing and says, hey, if they show us this look again, I'm going to just find this space, and you hit me there. And then Kelsey splits out. And then in the cadence, Patrick Mahomes, you hear him yell, do it, Kelsey, do it, do it. And then Kelsey resets his feet and then makes that play to get mm. him in a field goal range. That's going to be the one that I think ends up living on as the most legendary, even though it scored zero points. I have to ask you, we're with Josh Briscoe, uh, Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City. I mean, I know you were on the other side of that, so you probably feel differently, but looking at it objectively, do you think they need to change the overtime rule? Even though I like it the way it is, but after watching two fantastic quarterbacks go back and forth, I know a player wouldn't been a former player, but man, that that was exhilarating for me. Oh yeah, no, I mean, look, it's no it's no uh no coincidence that we talk about changing the rules after games like that and not after Steelers Lions, right? Because no one really we don't want to see more Steelers-Lions. I wish somebody would have scored in that game and kept that game from time just so we could have gotten it over with, right? But after a game like this, we all would like to see them play eight quarters. We take a whole, we could take a whole rematch of that game this Sunday, and nobody other than the Bengals would complain. Um, I, I do think that the rule has some room to, to be adjusted, especially whenever you get to a point where you, in the playoffs, for the right to go to the, to the conference championship game, you want to make sure that both teams have a chance for both of their units to go out there. But we're all very offensively minded, me as well. I mean, that's uh, maybe me more so than most even. But you, you do have your defense trotting out there with a chance to just hold them to a field goal to get the ball back. That, that's how the game ends sometimes. Sometimes it just ends with one team having it last. The funny thing is that that's how the Chiefs lost the AFC Championship game at the end of the 2018 season in, in January of 2019. When the Patriots beat them, that game went into overtime. The Patriots got the ball, and, the, and Mahomes never got to touch the ball in overtime. The Chiefs proposed a rule change that offseason, and the NFL never even voted on it. So right now, the Chiefs have their perfectly neutral karma on that overtime rule, uh, and I would definitely be fine with, with tweaking it to try to make it a little bit more uh, even for both teams. But I also understand that you don't want to commit to having a couple of NFL teams over the course of a brutal body-breaking season you know, end up playing a full extra quarter of football when it could have ended after a touchdown. Well, a little birdie told me 
that you were the culprit of paying the fan to run onto the football field there. <laughs> I saw on social media. I just want to know if it's true or not. And did did you also tell Diggs to take him out? <laughs> I uh, I got really nervous whenever you started that question because there are probably a few things I could be correctly accused of being the culprit of. Um, I, I will say here, formally, publicly, if my lawyer is listening or anyone, um, no, I, I, I did not have anything to do with that, although I wish I would have had something to do with it, at least from the Stefan Diggs side, uh, because that was awesome. And I, this is probably an, an improper take, but at least like no more than once a game, certainly. But I kind of enjoy a fan running onto the field, especially if you have somebody in full pads being the one to uh, dispense justice that way. It's, it's, a, good, it's a good little extra a piece of entertainment in a game that, you know, so clearly didn't have that much going on outside of that, right? Right, no doubt about it. <laughs> I have to ask you, lastly for me, I, I got to get out because I play for Andy Reid in Philly, is when did he say, when it's grim, be the grim reaper, let's go get it? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me, when this happened and, like, in what context was it? Come on, give, give me, like, I want to be there. Yeah, no, me too. So it, it was during the during his postgame press conference, he, he gave us that quote, um, but, but it was – I can't remember the exact moment in the game they were talking about. I think it was right before the 13-second drive where, you know, a reporter asked oh, him, what, right, did you, right. what did you say to Mahomes, you know, um, as, the, as the game was winding down there. And it, I, it was definitely either before the 13-second drive or before the touchdown drive that ended in that long pass to Tyreek Hill. But, but one of those drives before uh, – when they were down, either of those times, with the ball with very little time left. That was when that was delivered, and that has become an instant classic here. Uh, and, and also, I think, finally, they got Patrick Mahomes a good nickname. And the Grim Reaper, I, I actually do think, is probably going to stick for him. Mm. Well, and uh, with uh, Joshua Briscoe of uh, Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City. Josh, you seem like a young guy, and I don't want to get you in hot water. Maybe these people are friends of yours, but uh, it, do people have the same level of, uh, is it, maybe it's the word, disdain, for Mahomes' wife and brother around Kansas City <laughs> as they do everywhere else what? where my man goes and TikToks and she sprays champagne on people. and it, How are they viewed in Kansas City? It's kind of weird. I mean, like, you even, like, in your question, you understand that it's all kind of weird, right? Like, yeah. I, I, so, so Jackson is, is, is Patrick's younger brother, and, yeah, I mean, he does TikToks all over the place and ended up in some hot water for a couple of you know, not like nothing criminal, but some things that were maybe not super tasteful over the last month or so. Um, and, and I think that everybody around here kind of understands, like, that's not great. And also, he's young and his brother's the most famous person in the world right now in football. So, like, uh, you know, that I can I can kind of take or leave. The stuff with his fiance is even stranger to me because, like, her biggest offense, I think, has been celebrating too hard, and then people get kind of kind of uh, hurt by that in a way that's been kind of strange to me. Um, again, you could you could look at some of the uh, the TikToking or a, a light feud with a, a local bar from from Jackson's side. So you know what? They, they hopefully that'll get kind of figured out before before something else comes of it. But everything with Brittany has been like a non-issue anywhere and in, in anything like actually substantial of any sort. And uh, I think it's mostly for the most part, people who like to be mad about other people enjoying things. And, and she's had plenty to celebrate. So I guess, I guess people are maybe tired of seeing her do that. But uh, in my opinion, at least, that's not her fault. Somebody should try beating Patrick Mahomes. Well, I'm, yeah. Well, that's why I ask about this this strategy in Kansas City because nobody there's ty- you know tired of seeing somebody dance and celebrate their wins because they just keep winning. Uh, all right. Uh, last question. Just in in doing some research for this, 
you know, Titans fans trying to figure out should they have a different OC and how they go keep this guy and that. What's it, what's the biggest offseason concern for these Chiefs whenever that offseason oh. starts? I think it'll be at least offensively. It'll it'll be among the receivers. Now they they do have a couple of strange little pieces of uh, relatively large pieces that might not be here next year. Tyron Matthews' contract is up after this year. They traded for Orlando Brown Jr. before this season, but they haven't given him a contract extension. It's kind of understood that he'd play out this year under the last year of his rookie deal that he obviously got in in Baltimore. Uh, but really, I think the biggest thing is going to be trying to add a, a consistent third weapon in this offense and. That's something we talked about a lot last offseason. They never really found one of those guys. And they've gotten contributions from Byron Pringle and McCole Hardman. But I, I really do think that they're going to try to find somebody to add into that group to try to make this offense that much more overwhelming. And then beyond that, it's, it's figuring out, I mean, Orlando Brown's going to be here. It would be crazy to have traded what they did for him for ultimately one season. I think they'll figure out something with Tyron Matthew as well. Uh, but but those are the two big name questions. I would say the big sort of situational thing is, is if they're going to be able to add another pass catcher to this offense. Heaven help us if they add another weapon. You just you just made <laughs> oh, everybody well, drive well, off the did road. He, did he say something about Hardiman? Where's he? Where's he? Why didn't he play more? That guy's fast, incredibly fast. This year was supposed to be kind of a breakout year for him, especially after Sammy Watkins ended up leaving. Uh, and, you know, Watkins had been hurt previously as well. But uh, but Hardman never ended up in that role of, of being, like, a legit number two receiver. But over these last couple of weeks especially, they've really, I think, found his role in, in the way to use that speed and agility that he has. Because he's deadly around an angle. You, you, you can have the angle on him, but if he turns that corner just a second before you get your other foot set, he's going to be gone. He, he's just not the all-around, you know, and this is a hard – person to compare him to but he's not the all-around wide receiver that Tyreek Hill has ultimately developed into so so he's got he's got a really tough sort of um uh, you know a metaphorical big brother that's kind of standing over him in terms of how we view him but but he has incredible traits he's super fun to watch uh they just have never really gotten him into that into that role where he can be a guy that's out there you know running 85 percent of your routes or whatever Hey, Joshua, great stuff, man. At JB Briscoe, people need to follow you. Check out Arrowhead Report also uh, or uh, 810 Sports Radio Kansas City, man. Great stuff today. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it, Josh. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime you guys. Yes, sir. Doing post game, doing everything. It's a busy man right there. All right, we'll be busy when we come back. Lucas has got this quote from Andy Reid about being the Grim Reaper. Also, I have an Andy Reid stat for Blaine, and you played for him. Dude made some history. We'll share that Ooh, next. I know it. Historical history. But first, I got to give away uh, some tickets from Lucas's <laughs> personal cachet of tickets. Here you go. Ticket Thursday with The Zone and the Nashville Predators. Got to be caller 5 now, 615-737-1045. You can win. get a chance to win tickets to see the Predators versus the Vancouver Canucks in Smashville on Tuesday, February 1st. Puck, uh, puck drops at 7 o'clock. Again, your chance to win. Caller 516 5- one five seven three seven one zero four five. You know this hockey's in full swing in Smashville, so don't miss out on the next home game Thursday, February first. Preds take on the Vancouver Canucks at seven. Preds are on a roll, trying to uh, win the conference and trying to take it even further. Preds tickets on sale now. If you want more information, go to nationalpredators.com slash tickets. Good luck. You still have time to get the field goal, but it looks pretty grim. What, you have any special advice to Pat right there? 
Do you have any words for him at that point when Buffalo took the lead for the last time? Yeah, when it's grim, be the grim reaper and go get it. So. He's a grand reaper. <laughs> uh, uh, he just said that like any of us would say, yeah, it's Thursday. He is in the biggest moments, has to be the coolest customer alive in a coach, man. In that one year, man, he says some of the funniest things I've ever heard, man. He, he, I feel like he's just a big teddy bear. He just want to have fun, a good old dude, and just like, hey, man, it is what it is, man. Let's go get him. Oh, well. Yeah, he's he's come over to defense. What are you doing, bow legs? <laughs> what? Are you talking to me? Yeah, what are you doing, man? Come on, let's go have some fun, man. I want to see you jumping over people making some plays. Oh, that means I'm not making plays. <laughs> Just way of saying that. Uh, you gotta make yeah. some plays. Uh. Hey, man, where you at, man? I want to see you knocking some people out. I, I almost you, said two three, but you were two four there, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah they, I couldn't, uh, uh, you know, take Troy Vince's number. Yeah, you know, future Hall of Fame. Did you guy. try to trade him something like a, you know, a, nah. a grill or something? No, hey man, no. Nah, I just went. Uh, I really wanted to get twenty uh, two. Was your yeah? That was my was college your, number. But, yeah, uh, I couldn't get that deuce. Uh, same had that. So well, they I had was, those uh, numbers on lockdown. Like uh, whatever number you want to give me. <laughs> I wish they would give you like forty eight. Yeah. Oh no, I wouldn't get <laughs> that. I couldn't get that. That you know, forty eight is like. Scrub number. <laughs> you must you know, be a special teamer. Special teams said 91 guys. Yeah, they exactly. had so, I mean, they probably thought I should have played linebacker anyway, but no. Nah. <laughs> nah, I was happy just to get an opportunity after everybody kept flunking on my physicals. <laughs> <laughs> Let the truth be told. Just Your shoulder's not right, man. You got bad shoulders, so. We'll take you at this price. So the Eagles, do they, you know, the team doctor, do you like take your arm, put it above your head and squeeze it and pull it? It's interesting. Push uh, it. What was his name? Rick. Rick is, I want to say, uh, what was his last name? I'm forgetting. But he is with him at Kansas City, the head trainer. Yeah, wow. He, he, le- he left Philly and went with Andy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a lot of those guys are kind of overlap. But he was great. He was awesome. He says, look, man, we know you can play, but this shoulder is going to uh, – be an issue so we like you here but uh you have to come at a reduced rate oh you got to reduce shoulder rate they got to reduce minimum wage weight okay yeah we'll sign you to a three-year deal that's what i talk about the deals so right three year deal we'll make it look good but after one year we can let you go if, if, if we don't like that shoulder <laughs> or we don't like your play <laughs> sadly it was a little bit lower than the shoulder that they, they got you though ultimately was all oh, right it? yeah it was the abductus lungus yeah yeah, we all know I about your tour muscle. Your, your I got on that, that kind of cold. My body's like, hey man, it's cold out. You can't be hurdling people, especially some guy that's like six four. Yeah, and, <laughs> and you practice like you practice outside, so you got to spend lots of no, time. We we did have an indoor facility, yeah, but uh, we barely ever used it. <sighs> I'm yeah. cold just thinking about yeah. that. I, I think about that because we had a, a influx of backup quarterbacks, like third string quarterbacks. And I always think about when we were indoors, so I was facing those guys every day. So we had, like, you know, Detmer, and we had T. Martin was there, and we had Hasselback that's on TV, not not the, the Mac, not Seahawks guy, the other one. Tim. Tim, yeah. yeah. We had him. I mean, we had an influx of, I mean, they just kept flowing in there all over the place. Yeah. yeah and they were throwing darts. I was like, man, why are you guys throwing so hard? They are trying to prove this. Right, hey, man, look at my past record. I'm trying. Corey Detmer actually stuck around longer than the other guys. Yeah, and but uh, they were all uh, 
uh, second or third uh, because we had McNabb and as well as uh, God, I can't think of his name. Number fourteen, he went to the Dolphins and they thought he could be a starter because he McNabb got injured and he played a couple games and did really well. Golly, I can't think. That's horrible. I feel bad that I can't think of it. Yeah, he was he was he was a backup with the uh, yeah. Coy became actually he came in as a third, but then yeah, I'm gonna look him up over. After this time, I'm, I, it's going to eat at me. Oh, Kolb. No, it? not Kolb. No, Kevin he, Cobb. I, I, well, yeah, it's Cobb, Cobb pronounced. Yeah, yeah, yeah Kevin he went Cobb. to BYU. No, this guy. He not, was later. Yeah. No, he was after. But this is, okay. uh, dang, oh, man, I can't think of his name. But I, I'll figure it out. But, yeah, man, they had this little quarterback scam through there. It was, it was fun, man. I had a great time there that, that one year. Especially <laughs> living downtown, going out to eat, getting part of the city. Ooh, really was different, man. It's a gritty place. It is. Uh, Andy Reid, only coach to do this. He has taken two different teams to four straight conference championships. He did it with the Eagles. Now he's done it with the Chiefs. Think about that. level eight. That means eight times he's been in a conference championship at least. Oh, man. Two different teams and two different leagues even. Andy Reid. Do not mess around with him. He's the man. And their, play, their post-game guy says, yeah, they need another offensive weapon. Heaven help hey, all please. of us. Please, they Heaven. don't need another weapon. All right. Better uh, stop that. Time for the next weapon on this radio station. 3HL coming up next. We got to get out of here. In the meantime, in between that, it's a beautiful day. But yes, enjoy sir. your day there, Mickey. Yes, sir. Yeah. And but the Blaine and Mickey show is what? Peace. All about peace. Yes. <laughs>